Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical reread podcast, a 17 shard series where we reread the Cosmere and are giant nerds about it. Unlike the traditional reread style, we won't be going through each book chapter by chapter, and instead we'll be looking at different themes and the placement of the books within the wider Cosmere. Each Span Reads series will bring you four episodes. The first three, reactions and retrospectives, character relationships, and magic systems used in the story will be spoilers for that book and prior books in the series only. Then we will cap things off with a full spoiler Cosmere episode. Today, we will be talking about Mistborn, The Final Empire. Joining me is Mish. Hi, first Rainbow Rose. Also joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. And Rosemary. I'm K-Myth. We also have Matt. Uh, Matt, uh, comatose on the forums. And lastly, Katie. Hi, I'm Aeonine. And today's episode will have spoilers for Mistborn the Final Empire only. There won't be any other book spoilers from any series of Brandon's works. Just this one. And if anybody spoils anything, we'll kill him off. Here's Johnny. He means cut the clip. So you'll never see it. That's sure, totally that's totally no. what I meant. I suddenly realized why you are so weary a writer, because you just kill everybody in your spare time. A few moments later. Let's okay. start off with a recap. All right, Mistborn, the final empire. We open with Kelsier being his troublemaking self, thieving from the nobility, preaching to the ska, and then he kills the nobles and burns down the manor, forcing them to flee the rebels. Like Kelsier do. And then we meet Vin, whose life as a waif in service to a thieving crew sucks. Lots of beatings, lots of using luck to avoid the worst of it. But it backfires this time. She pushes on an obligator and he senses it, and she and the thief master get lured into a trap. Luckily, Kelsier is there, and he distracts a steel inquisitor from the trail. Vin has good instincts and tries to slip out of the lair, but gets caught. Kelsier shows up and saves her from what would have been a fatal beating, and the mentoring begins. We introduce the crew. Breeze, Ham, Clubs, Yeadon, Docks, and Kelsier. Then Kelsier drops the bombshell. They're going to overthrow the final empire! Everyone else agrees that Kelsier is nuts, but then he lays out his plan and starts to sound like a reasonable sort of crazy. Kelsier needs to steal some ATM, so he picks the toughest mark and in Invades keep venture and raises a ruckus, cause Kelsier gonna Kelsier. Also, our first maladroitly, count number one. <laughs> Vin has some trouble adjusting to the new crew life. Kind people, cleanliness, and a general higher quality of life than she's used to. She gets to participate in Kelsier's brainstorming session and contribute some good ideas, then gets designated the crew's fake noble spy. Kelsier's job? General Mayhem, as Kelsier do. Marsh arrives, Kelsier's brother, and he and Kelsier have a good old-fashioned bro fight. Vin eavesdrops, Kelsier catches her and decides it's time to start her training. Lots exposition, much magic, so explain. Wow. Also, Kelsier is a brat when it comes to teaching steel and iron, because he just, like, is mean, and it's hilarious, and poor Vin. You could just cut the sentence as, Kelsier is a brat, and it would still be correct. <laughs> <laughs> He, he, yeah, that's true. Kelsier is a brat, and it's fun. So they slink out of the city, take a look at a Mistwraith, and meet up with Sezed, the the last major member of the crew, to head to Feliz to meet Renault slash Orisur. Vin and Kel have a little chat about trust and loyalty. Vin is still skeptical. Commenting about how the new country scion plan would explain why Vin is so unrefined. These are great lines. <laughs> no offense, Vin, said Kelsier. Vin, who's busily stuffing a hunk of bread wrapped into a napkin into her pocket, goes, Why would I be offended? <laughs> Time jump! 
Vin is now adept with bouncing around on elementic power. After a few months, she's mostly holding her own, sparring with Kelsier. Says tries to convert Vin to religion number five, Trelegism, eek, and behold, some character exposition. Vin goes back to Luthadel and learns some of the finer points of Allomancy from the misting specialists, starting with Breeze. Her old crew is found dead in their lair, torn apart by a steel inquisitor. It's time to debut Lady Valette, and Vin is in a dress and she's so pretty. She's super nervous upon arrival at Keep Venture, but when she starts to see her Valette persona as a mask, she settles down. Exploring the ballroom, ballroom balcony, she meets Ellen, the designated philosophical kinoclastic cinnamon roll of this series, and I will fight all comers in defensive his honor, and I understand that means I'm probably going to do a lot of fighting. Vin is annoyed that he's more interested in his book than her presence. Vin, you're flirting. You don't realize you're flirting, but you are totally flirting here. Vin shadows Kelsier to and through Luthadel. He catches her, and she convinces him to let her take on a more active role. He shows her how to use ATM, and they break into Critic Shaw so Kelsier can investigate a room the Lord Ruler visits regularly. They're confronted by steel inquisitors and barely escape with their lives. Vin thanks to Sazed, who rescues her and stitches her wound. While she's recuperating, which takes a while, uh, she weasels out some information from Sazed in regards to his status as a keeper and gets a few clues as to the nature of his powers, but mostly her recuperation sends her stir-crazy. When the crew arrives for a meeting after a few weeks of healing, she declares herself ready to reprise her role as Valette because she is bored. Vin experiences some envy about the other noblewomen's looks. Why don't I have shoes like that? Because, Vin, you're a sensible Mistborn girl, and high heels are wretched, impractical foot torture devices. You don't want them. And surprise, there's Ellen. He sits with Vin at the ball, defying all convention, but pulls out a book and ignores her. This is clearly the only way he knows how to flirt, and it's equal parts annoying and adorable. He slips off to get a drink, and Sazed takes the opportunity to explain to Vin that he's just using her to rebel against his family, so she decides to ignore him in turn. Ellen can't take that for long, so he cracks and talks to her some more, revealing some of his oddly progressive interest in Ska. Later, Ellen's alleged fiancé, Sean Lariel, summons Vin and interrogates her about her conversation with Ellen, also distracting her while Shan's Tara Stewart rifles through Ellen's books from the table. One, however, after she gets back, Vin catches Vin's notice and she reads a bit of it, learning that it's a forbidden text critical of the Lord Ruler. Kelsier keeps causing trouble and raising tensions between the houses, killing a convenient nobleman and dumping him near the manor of one of his allies. He then has a chat with an informant, who is Hoyd. Hoyd spotting, yay! And Kelsier finds rumors swirling about Valette and Ellen. He and Vin clash on their opinions on Ellen's character and motivations. Vin gets a chance to learn the finer details of Seeking from March. Backstory ensues. Kelsier Travis to travels to visit the Ska Rebellion's army, and on the way he pours over Sazed's translation of the logbook written by the former Hero of Ages, the book that Vin retrieved from Credit Shaw. Vin is also reading the book, and she leverages what she's picked up on to wheedle information about Ferrochemy from Sazed. A conversation with Dachshund sows seeds of confusion when it comes to Vin's interaction with the nobles and doubt when it comes to Ellen's virtues. A while later, at a ball, she has an unsettling encounter with Shan, then spots Ellen and confronts him on some of the darker aspects of noble society. Their conversation cracks open a little bit more of Ellen's gooey center, and Vin decides he's genuine. And the flirting gets more intense. Vin Mistborns around to spy on Ellen and his friends. They're not quite ambitious enough to be real revolutionaries, but they do play with the thinky thoughts. Kelsier shows up and they debate the nature of Ellen's group's intentions. Kelsier and Finn debate the nature of 
Ellen's group's intentions. Um, Vin's next outing is with Ham, who gives her some tips about Pewter. They visit the garrison, learn that Yeadon's troops have done a stupid and attacked a holding, and they're about to get themselves smushed. Ham joins the garrison as a spy, while Kelsier and Vin go on an Alamancy-fueled run to the Rebellion's hideout. Yep, that's right. Not an hour after Ham talked to Vin about how pewter is best used carefully and sparingly, she immediately goes on a lengthy pewter drag. Too late. They, they arrive too late to save the bulk of the army, but they make it to the caves and rescue the ones left behind and inside. Uh, turns out Eden was an idiot and led the armory into disaster. <clears throat> Upon return to Luthadel, the crew is summoned along with the rest of the city to a formal execution ceremony. The victims are Ska civilians, mostly women and children, chosen to send a message instead of any kind of real justice for the uprising. Kelsier is angry and gives a rousing speech to the crew about what they're fighting for and points out that the city is vulnerable with the garrison out chasing straggling bands of rebels so they don't have to quit. The crew strategizing strategizes for instigating the house war. Kel and Vin meet up with Marsh for a dish on the steel ministry. Vin spend, spreads false rumors to keep the city politics roiling. She meets up with Ellen in a prearranged rendezvous and heavy flirting ensues. Paid no attention to the squeeing from yours truly. Ellen tells Valette that she needs to leave Luthadel for her own safety. He confides to her that Val House Venture runs the pits of Hathson, revealing their vulnerability. Good gods, he is so painfully honest with her in this scene. He is just like the worst noble ever. Vin thinks Kelsier was right again. I wonder if he ever gets tired of that. No, Vin. He doesn't. And he won't. And we get our first Ellen point of view. His friends finally decide to warn Ellen that he's spending too much time with Villette. He defends her and then spends some time fretting and worries about what might happen if a Mistborn were to try to attack her. <laughs> he arrives home and his father, Straff, calls him into his study for air interrogation. Straff orders him around and treats him with contempt because Straff is a rusting jerk. Ellen's friend Yost shows up with an intel on Valette, saying that she was missing from her carriage when it left the city, implicating her as a spy. Ellen decides to have her followed, because he's not a completely rubbish noble. Just mostly. Finn has a fit over the logbook's ending. She's apparently no better than I am when it comes to ambiguous endings. Uh, she spends some time fretting at Sazed over the future. She gets an idea and tries burning one of Sazed's pewter metal mines and confirms she cannot access his ferrochemical reserves. Kelsey arrives back at the safe house from patrol to find that Marsh has obtained super valuable intel including Qu Inquisitor activities in the locations of soothing park stations. Uh, they plan on how to take the out the ministry stations around the city, and Vin keeps Ellen secret for the moment about his the responsibilities of House Venture. Vin arrives at the Keep Venture Ball and finds herself shunned by everyone. Sazed learns that this will be the last fall, as all of the houses are going into defense mode, and Vin is on the outs with everyone due to House Renault's relative neutrality. Vin sends Sazed to warn the crew, but she needs to stay a while longer for appearances sake. She talks to Ellen, and he's cold and standoffish, tells her that she's a liability to House Venture and breaks off their relationship. He reveals that he knows she's a liar under the assumption that she's a spy for a rival house. A quasi-friend of Vin's, Lady Cliss lays on some false sympathy and tells her that Shan is going to kill Ellen. She holds back on details, so Vin blasts her with emotional allomancy to pull them out of her. Ellen will be assassinated that night. Vin realizes she loves him and launches into action. She locates the assassins by piercing her first copper cloud. She learns Shan herself is one of the assassins assassins and also a mistborn. And I am anxious as heck during this fight, despite the fact that I know Ellen will be fine, but the graphic audio just does that well at ramping up the tension here. Another side note, is Shan's hair auburn or black? Because I swear it switches over the course of the book, but because the graphic audio is recorded off of an earlier version, 
it may have been fixed later. I don't know. I have an answer to that. It It's just a one minor thing that leaped out at me because apparently I noticed hair color. I wonder why. Uh, Kelsier has a fit over Vin taking such a risk just to save a noble like Ellen. Vin attacks back, calling out Kel and the rest of the crew for not having any idea what a true ska life is like, telling them they might as well be nobles themselves. In the aftermath, they apologize to each other, more or less, and Vin finally tells Kel about House Venture's weakness. She also theorizes that perhaps Mare didn't betray Kelsier, that it was possible for someone strong enough to pierce another Alamancer's copper cloud. A test proves that she's capable of it, though they don't know exactly why. Ellen doesn't realize how close to death he was. He believes the Alamancer who fell through the skylight was just a spy. His operatives have located Club's shop and identified Vin as being part of a ska thieving crew. He's relieved in comparison to the original spy assumption. And then he has a moment of clarity, that he can't tell the difference between a ska and a noble. A conversation with his father reveals the assassination plot through the the, the, the venture guards get the credit for killing Shan. Straff doesn't give any credence to the rumors of another Mistborn fighting the assassination team. Meanwhile, Vin quizzes Spook on Tin and manages to decipher his Spook speak enough to learn that the trick is learning to filter out the extra input. Kelsier gives Vin some unusually wise relationship advice, and Kel puts in some more work on building his savior rep. Arriving for a planned meeting with Marsh, Kel and Vin find nothing but a corpse, a room coated in blood, and a note. Marsh thought the Inquisitors were on to him. The crew assumes him dead. Kelsier, in a fit of rage, travels to the pits of Hathsome and shatters the Atium crystals with his Alamancy. The Lord Ruler orders more executions in apparent retribution. The crew, on the way to the execution, sees the procession carts and realize that Spook and Renault are among the prisoners. Kelsier launches into rescue mode and releases people from the carts, but then is confronted by an Inquisitor. The entire execution procession was a trap. Ham brings in reinforcements, Breathe sues the guards to make them more likely to retreat. Vin wants to jump in to help, but Doxon holds her back. To Kelsier's shock, Ellen Venture tries to wade into the fray, who has recognized Lord Renault's household and assumes Villette is among the prisoners. And he's trying to rescue her, because again, Ellen is a cinnamon roll. Kelsier manages to hold his own with the Inquisitor and winds up keeping it from killing Ellen. After a protracted fight, he succeeds at killing the Inquisitor. At the moment of triumph, the Lord Ruler arrives, his massive soothing dampening the combatants' emotions. Soldiers stab the Lord Ruler with spears, which he ignores. Kelsier declares himself to be Hope, that which the Lord Ruler cannot kill, and the Lord Ruler pulls one of the spears from his own body and then runs Kelsier through, killing him. Vin grieves. In the wake of Kelsier's death, his plan clarifies. With Orisur slash Renault using his bones to impersonate him, a religious movement spreads among the Ska. They find Kelsier has left them a cache of weapons to arm the Ska for the rebellion movement. The crew gets busy organizing. Vin decides to once again break into the Lord Ruler's secret room. She talks the initial palace guards in defecting and dodges the rest, but she's greeted by steel inquisitors and fights her way past them only to come face to face with the Lord Ruler himself. An inquisitor seizes her from behind. She uses the 11th medal, which shows her alternative versions of who the Lord Ruler might have been before the Inquisitor knocks her unconscious. Straff Venture orders an evacuation and Ellen refuses to leave. Straff unexpectedly agrees, assuming this will rid him of his troublesome heir. As soon as he's gone, Ellen orders the forces left to him to surrender and ally with the Ska. The Inquisitors use aluminum to clear Vin of her medals. Left to her thoughts in a cell, she works out that the 11th medal is likely an alloy of gold or atium, which meant that the two medals were mispaired and there could be other undiscovered medals. The Inquisitors use Vin for a power play to remove the Lord Praelin, as he's likely her father. It works, and they take power from the Ministry, and Vin's father is executed, and she's taken away for further interrogation. Ellen turns himself into the crew to broker a peace. He learns from Dox 
facts and that Vin has been captured by the Lord Ruler. Vin learns that her brother died under Inquisitor torture but protected her to the end. The Inquisitors also bring in a new prisoner, Sezed. But Sezed has got himself captured on purpose to try to rescue Vin and has metal mines hidden in his belly. They escape their cage and into the palace but are surrounded. Ellen arrives with his own soldiers to rescue them but there's no way to get everyone out safely. But then Vin finds her miscloak and a vial of metals and goes into action. Ellen is a bit stunned. Vin sends the other to safety but decides she must defeat the Lord Ruler in order for the rebellion to succeed. Also, there is a Vin Ellen smooch. Finally, smooch. Vin's idea on how to kill the Lord Ruler by attacking his 11th metal shadow of him it fails. The lead Inquisitor attacks and grapples her, choking her. A second Inquisitor arrives and kills the first because it's Marsh. The two of them take on the Lord Ruler, but he's far stronger than they expected. And we get our second maladroitly in the book. Unless I missed one somewhere, which maybe I did, but I think there were only two. I think there were three. I'm pretty sure I, th- I saw a third one at least. I, I, I must have missed it because of the graphic audio, so... Sorry, my maladroitly count failed. Uh, when the Lord Ruler talks about dominance, Vin puts the pieces together with the 11th Metal Shadows and realizes the truth. He's not the author of the logbook, but the terrorist Pac-Man who hated him. She confronts him and he focuses all of his power on her. She realizes he's a fairy chemist and draws in the mists, fueling her allomancy with enough strength to iron pull his metal mines away. Without his metal mines, the Lord Ruler ages rapidly and warns Vin that she has doomed the world. She kills him, but worries about his final words. Ellen is set up as king, but there's no A-team in the treasury at all. The city nearly riots, but Breeze helps Ellen calm the people. And finally, Vin spies on Ellen from outside, thinking to simply slip away and disappear. She wavers in the memory of Reen's loyalty prompts her heart to win out over her fear. She joins Ellen and it's only through supreme self-control that I do not doodle a million little hearts all over that page in the book. The end. Who has thoughts? What did people remember? What did people forget? What were you re-surprised about or were you expecting? So I actually do have something because I don't know if this is something I just always forget about when I reread or if I've just genuinely never noticed. But you can, um, in those early Vin chapters, like we see her burn pewter. I don't remember that at all, yep. ever. And I was just like, oh, wait, like that's, oh, did I just forget this? Am I crazy? So like that was a really fun moment for me. Yeah, and I, I had forgotten just how well Brandon seated in the hints in in the Elendi log that the Lord Ruler wasn't Elendi, it was Rashek. Mm-hmm. Period. Because the hints are, are in there and they're really obvious when you go back and look at them. I looked forward to the most just the book starting because mm-hmm. I always, whenever I think about the Mistborn series, it's not my favorite. Be, and I'm always like, it's just, it's so slow and so, and rereading it this time, I figured out that part of it is because it just takes so long to truly get into things. Because you don't really get into things until a about the first planning meeting or else uh i would actually argue that it you don't truly get into it until the first training session with vin and kelsier and so that's like what a good quarter of the book before you're actually truly engaged in what's going on it's like there's a sort of start and then there's like the fully okay now we're really getting the ball rolling yeah because i would argue that even up through like the 
this book has a prelude, which is everything up to the meeting with the like the where Kelsier takes over uh, the Vin's old crew's headquarters. And then there's the prologue, which is that meeting where the crew first meets up and Kelsier explains the mission. And there's a little bit of a prologue there. And then when you have that first actual planning session of, okay, here we've got the chalkboard of what we're going to do. That's when the book really, truly gets started. So I was just excited for that. I felt the same way. Um, I forgot how slow this book was. Like that was probably one of my biggest takeaways is this book is really slow in a very deliberate way. It's not like it drags. It's just this is very stereotypical epic fantasy where there's a lot going on and you just have to take your time going through it and i completely forgot about that with this book so it was very interesting me reading through it because i felt like i had read so much but it looked like i had like gone through so little at the same time yeah i was i was struck by a similar thing because it just the 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 amount that he can really delve into the character's thoughts and feelings in when he's got so much room in an epic fantasy book like this. We get so much out of these characters and so much out of the scenery. And you're just sort of going, oh, that's pretty. Ooh, this is neat. And oh, oh, poor Vin. And, you know, you, you really dig into the, who these characters are. I was surprised how long it took to get to the balls. That was one that really struck me. Yeah, because like the first ball is isn't until like a third of the way through the book. Because like, um, I did graphic audio for my reread, um, and it's I can't quite remember if it was like the end of the first recording or the very beginning of the second. Um, I think it's recording. the end of the first one. But it's like like, but it's such a huge portion of my memories of this book that it like. That it took so long to get there. It's like, oh yeah, there's all that beginning stuff that, I mean, it's important, but it's not. Well, what I remember. Only like three, four, I think four or five balls total in the book. Yeah. <laughs> there really isn't. Well, and then there's that huge gap between when the first ball happens and when she goes to the second ball because she's got like, you know, however many weeks of recovery from having an axe in the side of her shoved through mm -hmm. her side and one thing that i've caught that this time that i didn't catch before that i loved was the fact that the copper or Cezette's copper mines have medical knowledge like mm -hmm. i loved just that subtle little thing of oh okay it makes sense that that's something that he would carry around with him but he's able to do like surgeries and stuff i i was just gonna say well first full disclosure um this series is probably my favorite Brandon series. And this book is sometimes my favorite book. Um, I disagree that it's slow. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. I love how he inter like every chapter. I find this book so well constructed because you have this big reveal, the end with the, the Lord ruler and the confrontation with Finn and also the big reveal with uh Kelsier's plan. And it's so interesting because I feel like every chapter has like a little piece of the puzzle, whether it's in the epigraph or a character moment or a little detail. And it's so funny rereading that and picking out, oh, there, 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 there. And the way it's all ordered in the perfect order, it's like, okay, we couldn't 
find out about this until we knew about these three things first. So it was really important this happened mm. later on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> it's also the book I've reread the most. So I did find myself, you know, getting to the end of the chapter and being like, oh yeah, I think this chapter is next. And then going to the next chapter and being like, oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> so you uh, said earlier that you knew the story, or you knew whether her Shay's hair is auburn or black. Yeah, so Shan, the first mention of, so I'm also unhealthily obsessed with the Illarials. Um, so I've reread every scene to do with any Illarial many, many times. Uh, the first time she's introduced, her hair is described as dark, which to me meant black initially as well. Um, and then later it's described as auburn. So mm. but that's in, an error. In, in the in the Mistborn fight, she's described as having black hair. I don't think so. I no, because I wrote it. What I I wrote that down when I heard that because that was what triggered me to think. Wait, didn't wasn't she described as auburn earlier? Why is she I saying that she's black hair now? I I think it might be dark again, but I would have to check. But when I looked at every mention of her for like my research to be like, what did Shan actually look like? I found mentions of dark hair and mentions of auburn hair. And so and it I might, realize. It might depend on which edition of the book you look at, too, because it's possible that they fixed that continuity issue in the Leatherbounds, because I didn't have a chance to look through my Leatherbounds to check. But in the graphic audio, it is really obvious that she's described as auburn at one point and with black hair in, in that last Mistborn fight. I, I'm using my... This is I'm, I'm using my first edition uh, Miss Foreign hardcover when I'm reading, mm. but uh, yeah, I might be misremembering. But that was the conclusion I came to when I looked into this uh, a while back. Um, but I, I pictured her with I pictured her with black hair um, for a long time before I realized. Well, that was the other thing. I also pictured Kelsey with black hair forever, and then I was like, "Wait, he's blonde," <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> One thing I definitely forgot uh, happens as much, or one thing that I forgot was as big in these books was Vin's relationship with Sazed. I I kind of he, he I kind of just put him to the side. Oh, he's like my first few reads. I, he was the religions man, and I forgot how much Vin had a relationship with him, kind of outside of that, because he talks about religions a lot. But he's also he talked about other things and he did other things and I forgot how much like experimenting with his magic was I I, I honestly forgot that what his magic was was like a mystery in the first book and something that Vin was trying to figure out and then that later on they did experimenting with it I'd forgotten all of that and kind of his part in the books a lot. Speaking of I love manipulative Vin. Oh no, if you don't tell me, well, if there's something in the logbook, I might not know. Okay, mm. that was really heavy handed, but at the same time, you have a point. Fine, here's <laughs> the information. Other thing that stood out to me is that Alend is my favorite character in era one. Like, he's the one I identify with the most. Like, one of the characters I identify with the most in the entire Cosmere. And I forgot just how little he actually is in this book. Because, like, he he is such a huge part of, like, my memory of Era 1. But, like, he's really not in this book very much at all. 
I love Eland as a character as well so, so much, but I love Final Empire Eland specifically. My, mm-hmm. my care for him does like go down as the series goes on. But this book, the Final Empire was like my entry into the Cosmere and like the two standout characters were Kelsia and Eland. And I just grew so attached to both of them. But I remember the first time I got to the the ball scenes with him, like reading and then just sitting at her table and reading and ignoring her. I was so offendedly attracted to that at the time that I messaged a friend that um, <laughs> that had recommended the book. I was like, I cannot believe how much I like this guy. This is not fair. And I had the exact same feelings this time. Like nothing had changed at all. I was like, you are still offensively attractive. How dare you? I, I, I looked Rosemary and you were correct. Um, that chapter is described as black hair. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it's... I, I feel very humbled that my Illarial knowledge was off, but... Really stood out, because the one I wasn't 100% sure on was the Auburn, because that had been a while ago, but then I hit the black hair description just last night, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. And then I wrote that down immediately, so I, it was really fresh. The other thing, I guess, that struck me or I always get excited for in this book and that struck me is I think the epigraphs are the strongest um, of any of the um, like chapter blurbs Brandon has done, to be honest. I, Elendi, we don't know yet, but I guess not the Lord Ruler. Um, <laughs> uh, the writer of the epigraphs, his character and voice comes across so strongly that you really start to feel that disconnect when you even see the Lord Ruler for the first time. You're like, this guy doesn't sound the same. You know, either he's been changed like heavily or like there's something weird here. And I so I love how the the character comes across in the epigraphs. The other I also love the final empire's culture, um, which uh, this is like how we're setting it up uh, in, in this book. And uh, yeah, it's it's just so fun. The like sense of discovery and how we get to discover it with Finn is, is really, really cool. Yeah, the, the graphic audio kind of disguises that a bit by having Vin's voice actress be the one that reads the chapter epigraphs, Interesting. like like when she's reading through the logbook. Um, yeah. So that covers the fact that whoever would have been a voicing Elendi would have been different from who was voicing the Lord Ruler. And they they're just like, well, we're not going to do it that way. We're just going to have Vin be the one yeah. reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggled with pretty much every epigraph in every book the first time I read all of Brandon's books. I definitely see what you're saying, Matt, about the difference in like the tonality of the voices of the Lord Ruler and the writer of the epigraphs in this book. Like That came through really, really strongly for me um, in this reread. My first read, I just like could barely pay attention to them. And one I, thing that I noticed, oh. just because it always drives me crazy, and I... I actually took the time to notice this time around was so much of the fan art shows Kelsier as having like his scars crisscrossing this way. And it was funny because I listened to it and it's like the scars go up his arm. And it was like, thank you. Like it was me being paranoid that I was misremembering because of how much of the fan art shows it going the wrong direction. But then when I heard it, I actually had to pause and be like, Yes, I was right. 
And then near the end, they actually describe it. Before Kelsier destroys the Atom Crystals, you've got the point of view of the guy who's down in there. And, and yeah, when, when he reaches his arm back, it, it just drags back across like that. And that's what creates the scars. So, no, they wouldn't be side to side. They'd be up and down. Yeah. So, but that was, that's a random side note where I I laughed at myself afterwards because I was like, yes, I'm right. Oh, good heavens, I'm ridiculous that I actually was this obsessed. But it was kind of a nice validation moment. I was just going to say, I forgot that we had that point of view of the guy who was in the ATM pits. And we got that kind of first person perspective of what it was like to be in there, to be down there. Those random one off viewpoints that we start getting at the end of books that it is a hallmark of um, Brendan's style, I think. But it's just like it's so easy to forget them until like you get to that moment again. But they are so essential to the world. Like those are kind of the ones that really give you a feel for what the world is like yeah you don't forget them because they're bad or or even because they don't have much in them there's just so much happening in the main characters points of views Mm -hmm. that you remember them the most and these random little what little bits you just don't remember them as much i also really like how this book sets up a lot of the themes for the story and also for the series um but for the story specifically the themes of like trust and betrayal um, are so woven into like every character and every um, multiple, you know, like Kelsier's model, there's always another secret and how he does betray the crew in a way by not sharing his full plan. But then like it was because he trusted the crew to carry on after him. And how both Vin and Kelsier's great betrayals in their life of Mare and Reen turned out not to be betrayals at all. Um, it like it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I was really the themes of kind of honesty, lies, secrets, trust really stuck out to me um, in in multiple places. It's just chock full of it. Reen's not betrayal gets me every time. <clears throat> Like, just the emotions there gets me every time. How good he is at weaving the theme into the book is just one of those things where I go, man, I hope I hope I can write that good someday, maybe. Because mm-hmm. that, that's, that's cool. I'd like to be able to do that. <laughs> and you mentioned, like, Kelsier does betray the crew by not telling them. But, like, he betrays vin in specific like she has the line is like that's why you couldn't promise you would never leave because you were already planning this and it's just like the sorrow like in her viewpoint and like the anger in her viewpoint at that moment but then she she does come to understand why he had to do it and it's just it's so good it's it's just naturally blended into her grieving process mm -hmm. and then how that also blends in with her decision to save Elend after Elend leaves her. And like that realization, if you're not sure if someone you loved betrayed you or not, in some ways it doesn't matter um, because you you love them anyway, you know? Um, like Kelsier kind of talks about Mare that way and Vin doesn't get it at first. Um, but then she's like, oh no, like I did love Reen even when I thought he betrayed me and... I still love Elend even after he 
he left me. There, there, there is one thing with the graphic audio that I want to point out that they get wrong is mm-hmm. when Vin is talking about her sister's death. <laughs> and, and I know some people have misread this too and then not realized after, after when she is like, she says, my mother killed my baby sister, messily. You know, because she's describing how the death happened. But in the graphic audio, they thought it was the little girl's name and they pronounced it Masili. And I can't help but just have an incongruent crack up laughing at that <laughs> moment. And I'm like, I should not be laughing at this, but they got it. Yeah, they, they made a boo-boo. On the topic of Kelsia, not to get into it too much because characters are next episode. But something I did forget, because um, I haven't read era one in so long and haven't read final empire in so long kelsey is actually pretty kind in this book for all of mm. his i want to go out and kill all the nobles like mm. he does genuinely care and i had completely forgotten about that like extreme like it's so interesting to see the dichotomy between his gentle and kindness and i mean like he brings the food to the ska and you know when they uh when vin goes with him he makes the stop off to increase his like savior complex, but he's also just genuinely kind. Yeah. And then like five minutes later, he'll be with a nobleman and he's just very dismissive. Like anything with nobility, he's like, Nope, they're dead. Nope. Yeah. I don't care. Which is why it's such a big character moment for him when he decides to save Ellen. But it's like, it's not for Ellen's sake, though. Like, he does no, it he does it for, for Vin. Vin, not mm. because he thinks, like, oh, like, El- uh, nobles might be nice. Like, yeah. like, it's like, it's not because of Ellen, it's because of Vin. And I think yeah. that's a very important distinction. It, it is interesting, though, because Ellen is in the process of trying to rescue Valette in the process, even though she's not down there, and Kelsey's just like, man, this kid's annoying. Oh, yeah. they will be so upset if I let him die. Okay. But, I mean, the fact that he does that still, mm-hmm. because the Kelsey of the beginning of the book would have been, well, she's better off if, if he's dead, then she doesn't have to, she'll, she'll grieve and get over it, and, and it'll be good, but mm-hmm. he still has made some level of journey to get to the point where he is willing to save yeah. Ellen. I, I definitely remember the God complex. I just didn't remember Kelsey's point of views where you get his feelings towards everything. And even if what he's going for is the God complex, he doesn't think about that as like his driver to be there. Like he is thinking about the good that he can do for these people before the help that they are going to give him which like i was definitely not remembering that at all what the crew never realizes is that was always his backup plan that wasn't what he wanted to do but that was what he was willing to do if that's what it took yeah so that comes across really well in the text is he's like if this if this happens or if it's necessary or you know there's always those ifs of I'm going to be glad if it's necessary. Although I do find it interesting thinking about that as the the backup plan, because I like I agree, it is his backup plan. But one thing that struck me is how big a part really of the plan the 11th medal is and how Kelsier is this master planner. And he's just like, yeah, no, this is far, as far as I got with the 11th medal. Um, key part of the plan, but... Uh, 
didn't figure it out. Sorry. Um, which makes me think, I know Kelsier was spread really thin, but he's such a planner. I don't think he was going into those final days being like, I'm not going to need my backup plan. Like, yeah. I think he was, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he always had the backup plan in place in case he couldn't figure out how to kill the Lord Ruler. Yeah. And he couldn't. So mm-hmm. he he kicked that plan into motion. Yeah. If anything, like I I think the 11th medal was the backup pl- backup plan. It's just like he was going to try that first because he doesn't <laughs> want to. But it's like him dying, I think, was always like that will work. This other thing is like maybe I hope it works because then I don't have to die. But I think the real plan was always him dying. I mean, I don't think he wanted to think of it that way is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you get the interesting viewpoint um, when he defeats the Inquisitor and he says, oh, maybe I won't have to go. We don't, as the reader, don't know what he's talking about yet. But he says, oh, maybe I won't have to go with, you know, plan B. Maybe this is enough. And so you kind of get the sense he's expecting it. but he was hoping he wouldn't have to. And then he's like, oh, maybe this will be fine. And then the Lord Ruler's soothing cuts in and it's like, oh, no. Okay, we got to do this. And that scene always gives me, like, it's just so well done. Like, the Lord Ruler's casual disdain. Um, Like, Brandon pulls off his, like, divinity and callousness, or I guess perceived divinity and callousness so well. You know, the soldiers are coming up stabbing him and him just still walking with the spears um and then the casual backhand that just decimates Kelsier is always it's yeah, yeah this very sense of general ennui from the lord ruler he's been there so long and he's just tired of everybody's crap mm-hmm. including possibly his own and he's just like and sometimes I think that's why part of why Vin beat him in the end is because he was tired. Mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily want to keep going. And yeah, he had the moment of panic and she cut in at his his moment of supreme arrogance and just like, you can't beat me. And then she does it. And then he panics. And I almost wonder if that was part of his subconscious just letting go and going. You have an excuse. You can you you thought you were undefeatable and this this little girl was able to rip off your metal mines. Maybe it's time to let go. Thank you for watching everyone. You can find us at 17shard.com for your news, discussion, theories and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube and you can also support us on Patreon. See you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.